Florida Governor Ron DeSantis exits the presidential race and throws his support to Trump. Nikki Haley campaigns in New Hampshire. Plus, the World Economic Forum showcases the left-wing elite at their worst. All that and more. I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour. And God bless the United States of America. Okay, friends, welcome to the show. Happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to start with the big news from Sunday that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was dropping out of the race for the GOP presidential nomination. This leaves the contest to be settled in a two-way race between former President Trump and former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley. But the question for now is what happened to DeSantis and how does this affect the rest of the race? First, Here's some comments from DeSantis on Sunday when he broke the big news. Now, over the past many months, Casey and I have traveled across the country to deliver a message of hope that decline is a choice and that we can, in fact, succeed again as a nation. Nobody worked harder, and we left it all out on the field. Now, following our second place finish in Iowa, we've prayed and deliberated on the way forward. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. DeSantis is right. There was no clear path to victory, and this was absolutely the right move. Leading up to the Iowa caucuses, there was a lot of speculation on what would happen. News reports had Nikki Haley surging, pulling ahead of DeSantis, and looking like a strong second-place finish was within her grasp, at least according to the pundits. Among my friends, I predicted several outcomes in Iowa. One, that Trump would win by 31 points. And two, that despite the media push, Ron DeSantis would actually take second place with Haley in third. As it turned out, Trump won by 30 and DeSantis came in second. But then I added this to last week's analysis. I said that I really think DeSantis should drop out now and support Trump. DeSantis poured a lot of money into Iowa and considering he was going up against Trump, he did a great job, but clearly, at least in the short term, this was going to be the highlight of his campaign. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackaged form of warmed over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. The days of putting Americans last of kowtowing to large corporations, of caving to woke ideology are over. DeSantis is right. This is the era of Trump, and people are seeking to return to a strong, secure border, low inflation, growing peace in the Middle East, a stronger stance on Russia, China, and Iran, domestic energy production, conservative competent judges, tax reform, common sense over woke ideology. The list goes on and on, and Trump delivered. In response to the breaking news, Trump had these comments to Newsmax regarding Ron DeSantis. Well, I haven't spoken to him yet, but I appreciated the endorsement. And look, he worked hard. He worked very, very hard. That's a hard, it's a hard deal. There's no question about it. And including his wife and family, they were all working. And you have to take, you have to respect it. They ran a good campaign. It's a tough business and very tough. But I was very honored to get his endorsement. In addition to thanking DeSantis for the endorsement and recognizing the efforts of the DeSantis team, Trump also made another announcement later in the day. Retired. Okay. 
He just said, will I be using the name Ron DeSanctimonious? I said, that name is officially retired. So there you have it. DeSanctimonious is retired. DeSantis is endorsing Trump, and the scene shifts to the one-on-one battle between Trump and Haley in New Hampshire. All right, next let's talk about that New Hampshire matchup and why DeSantis is out. But first, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Okay, next let's talk about Nikki Haley in the New Hampshire primary and how things will change now that DeSantis is out of the race. In terms of the election results on Tuesday night, DeSantis wouldn't actually be a factor whether he's in the race or out of it. DeSantis was focusing on Iowa and polling suggests that he wouldn't be competitive in New Hampshire. Haley is currently in second place, but this is also a state where former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie was in second place before he dropped out. So you never know quite what to expect from New Hampshire. What is known is that Trump has a commanding lead going into the Tuesday elections, and most polls have him up anywhere from 10 to 20 points. But still, the media love to obsess about Nikki Haley. Here in New Hampshire, remember, it's independents that are the critical voting block here. They can vote in a Republican primary. They are the biggest voting block in New Hampshire, and that is, in many ways, a natural constituency for Nikki Haley. I've heard it from people that I've talked to here in the state, people who, for example, were former Chris Christie backers that are now shifting over to Nikki Haley. But if she doesn't have a very strong second or the upset here, it is a question mark on where her campaign goes. Chris Christie supporters moved to Nikki Haley. Gag. And what's going to be very interesting is not only these independent voters who are being highly courted by the Haley campaign, but Democrats as well. Because of the friction between the Democrat National Committee and the New Hampshire Democrats, Joe Biden isn't even on the ballot on Tuesday. Now, some Democrats are involved in a writing campaign for Biden, but outside of that, if some people would normally be drawn to the primary in order to vote for president, those might just head over to the Republican primary instead. And that is what Haley is banking on. Here's Haley with CNN discussing both Biden and Trump. I worry about the fact that they are so focused on investigations and things that they don't like and focused on the past. When do you ever hear either one of them talk about the solutions of the future? I'm doing this because I don't want my kids to live like this. We have got to start looking forward. You've got a country in disarray. You've got a world on fire. And you're going to focus on people who hurt your feelings. Interesting statement considering that Trump at every public appearance lays out what he did as president and what he'll do once he's president again. Foreign and domestic policy, he covers it all. But Haley is banking on national attitudes of voters toward Trump and Biden and ignoring the actual results that Trump delivered. So how will things go in New Hampshire? Will Haley end up with the big upset that NBC News speculates? Let me know in the comments. All right. Next, let's talk about the World Economic Forum, which occurred throughout last week, which really highlights the Marxist elite who are trying desperately to rule the world, despite what regular people say, do, or want in their everyday lives. If you really want to catch a glimpse of what the radical left wants, just check out some of the presentations at the WEF. Here's World Economic Forum son of a Nazi, Klaus Schwab, talking about the future of elections. The digital technologies mainly have an analytical power. Now we go into a predictive power, and we have seen the first examples, and your company very much involved into it. 
But then the next step could be in, to go into a prescriptive uh, mode, which means um, uh, you, you do not even have to have elections anymore because you can already uh, predict what uh, predict and afterwards you can say why do we need elections because we know what the result will be unreal please take note of the key word that schwab used he talked about the analytical power of ai and how it can be used in a predictive manner then he said the next evolution is to use ai in a prescriptive manner this means not just predicting what an outcome may be but instead predicting or describing what an outcome should be the left would love nothing more than to take away voting from the people and have the left-wing ruling elite make all the decisions. Case in point is from another WEF presentation, this one on the worldwide news media. So if you go back really not, not that long ago, as I say, we kind of, we owned the news. We were the gatekeepers and we very much owned the facts as well. If it said it in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, then that was a fact. Nowadays, people can go to all sorts of different sources for the news, and they're much more questioning about what we're saying. Yes, whatever the media said was law, and we've seen how that turned out. We've seen the outright suppression of conservative thought, the outright banning of legitimate news stories, all to push a narrative and not get out the facts. People thinking on their own? Can't have that. And then, how about the push for a digital ID? First get it implemented in third world countries, and then push it everywhere else. Why? Because in order to open an account, you need to have an ID. Right. And um, I have to say that when, we, when I started this job, there were actually very little countries in Africa or Latin America that had one ubiquitous mm. type of ID. And certainly that <clears> it was digital. And certainly that it was biometric. And uh, we've really worked with all our partners to actually help that being, uh, um, I mean, to grow this. and. The interesting part of it is that, you know, yes, it is very necessary for financial services, but not only. So, you know, it's also good for school enrollment. It's also good for health, who actually got a vaccination or not. Uh, it's, it's very good to actually to get your subsidies, you know, from the government. So that's a sampling of the World Economic Forum 2024. On a good note, the new president of Argentina, Javier Malay, gave a Trump-like speech that was basically everything the WEF hates and it was great. But make no mistake, the global elites have all of us in the crosshairs. We are what is standing in the way of a Marxist-dominated world, and we are the only ones who can stop it. All right, next, here's some rapid-fire headlines from around the country. First, let's start with Harvard University, which seems to be permanently embroiled in controversy. Following the resignation of disgraced university president Claudine Gay, the university put together a task force to address anti-Semitism. Turns out that the co-chair of the anti-Semitism committee is in fact an anti-Semite. As reported by the Gateway Pundit, Professor Derek Penslar is taking heat for past comments he made on the state of Israel, including signing onto a letter just this past summer, which suggested Israel is a regime of apartheid, guilty of Jewish supremacism, end quote. Next, far leftist fire alarm pulling Jamal Bowman wants the federal government to authorize 14 trillion dollars in reparations payments. You heard that right. According to the Post-Millennial, Bowman says it's a fair and feasible amount and added, quote, when COVID was destroying us, we invested in the American people in a way that kept the economy afloat. The government can invest the same way in reparations without raising taxes on anyone. 
Where did the money come from? We spent it into existence, end quote. That's left-wing thinking for you. Just spend it into existence. Finally, whatever new medication Pennsylvania Democrat Senator John Fetterman is on, it would be nice if it were distributed to some rhino Republicans. First, Fetterman came out strong in defense of Israel, and now he's talking tougher on border security. I honestly don't understand why it's controversial to say we, we need a secure border. Uh, and I think two things can be true at the same time. You can be very supportive of immigration, but we also need to have a secure border. So that's John Fetterman. I don't know where all this is coming from, but I hope it catches on. Friends, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And remember, today's show's one sheet is available to Patreon supporters using the link in the description. The one sheet gives you the links to all the videos and stories used on today's show, so you can dive even deeper into each issue. And with that, our next show will be Wednesday evening at the usual time. Until then, I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour.